Hello and welcome to Business Line Podcasts. My name is T.R. Vivek. Last week, we published an interesting and important piece on our website on how literacy levels have a profound impact on the success of the government's vaccination drive in a particular area. Uh, the piece was written by Shoma Vadhwa and Arijit Das, both uh, research fellows at the India Development Foundation, a, a New Delhi-based uh, policy research organization. Uh, the piece itself was uh, based on their much larger study using data for about 740 districts from the COVID portal. To discuss the study's findings, uh, what they mean for any intervention aimed at preventing any further waves of COVID and the importance of uh, robust data and analytics in framing public policy itself. We have with us Shoma Vadva. Shoma is a multiple award-winning former journalist. Nearly a decade ago, she made the switch to academics uh, and now she specializes in development studies uh, with a focus on qualitative research. Uh, besides being a fellow at IDF, she's also an associate professor at the School of uh, Modern Media at UPES in Dehradun. Hello, Shoma. Welcome to Business Line Podcast. Uh, Shoma, tell us uh, tell us about your study and uh, and and the, the correlations that you make between uh, literacy and the success of the vaccination campaigns. Um. Hi, thanks so much for inviting me to your podcast, really. Uh, so uh, my organization, my research organization, the India Development Foundation and personally I, uh, we have an interest in studying the intersections between gender, empowerment and literacy. And as a part of that, we've uh, we've uh, evaluated a program called Tara Akshar program. Uh, you know, it, it's a it, it's an adult literacy program for women in um, it, it's been on since about 2013. And we've evaluated it twice, 2016 and now in early 2021. And it has sort of um, uh, uh, functionally uh, literacy. It has imparted to about two lakh women uh, over the years and in its uh, third phase uh, which has been on since 2017 that's the phase that we were studying in early 2021 which is when COVID was very much you know firmly ensconced in these areas um, uh, so along with all of the other survey questions that we were doing to test literacy and to test, test numeracy and you know all the, the, the usual indicators to do with functional literacy, we had also put in some questions on financial literacy and and two or three questions on you know COVID. Uh, did they know the symptoms? Uh, did they know how to how the you know like four masks were shown and which was the right correct way of uh, wearing masks and. Uh, we were not surprised, but we were surprised at the difference between uh, women who were literate, neoliterates, who had undergone the program and the comparison group who had been matched and who were women of similar types in similar villages, but uh, uh, were illiterate. I mean, 80% of the women who were literate said that they knew the symptoms um, and 80% of the illiterate group said they didn't. Um, how, how big was your sample group? Um, uh, all total, it was about 1,200 between, between the two. So we, we had tested, power tested the numbers for statistical significance. And so um, it, was, uh, it was really, uh, but, but because it was COVID, some villages were left and all of that, but that uh, we explained in the methodology. So the, so the results are pretty robust. Um, and uh, even the correct way of wearing the masks, I mean, you know, 
so 85% of, uh, of the women who are literate, uh, you know, could sort of identify it. And um, uh, up only 32% in the, in, in, of the illiterate uh, women could. Now, there, the, the, we realized that there is definitely a correlation here between literacy and, uh, you know, health preparedness. There was no doubting that. Um, how we followed up with our, you know, why, how, the causal inferencing, the, the, the establishing of, you know, why, the whys, those were done qualitatively, rounds of, you know, sampled FGD discussions and all of that. Also, interestingly, Vivek, we had asked a few questions about financial literacy. So we asked all women, uh, do you have, both types of women, do you have bank accounts? And so... Um, we realized that you know uh, the 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 drive the financial inclusion drive in the country had really been effective because about 88 to 80, 85 to 88% of uh, women in both i mean near near almost near similar numbers of women said yes they had accounts most of them had personal bank accounts and then we asked do you know the name of your bank 97% of the literate women did uh, and, you know, 82% uh, uh, of the literate women did and only about 38% of the illiterate women could, you know, say the name. Similar, similarly, when we asked them about transacting in their banks, huge difference. Similarly, when we asked them questions on financial literacy, simple things like, you know, if you had 100 rupees, you gave uh, your friend lend you uh, you lend your friend 100 rupees, she gave you back 102 rupees. Uh, what is the rate of interest? 90% um, of the literate women could answer correctly and, uh, you know, just about 6% uh, answered correctly in the, so, so, so we came back knowing, but not knowing that it was such a, uh, you know, in, in such, such substantial ways, empowerment and literacy and financial empowerment and literacy and health. So we came back and we thought, you know, let's look at it. Let's check it across uh, the country. Let's check. Let's sort of, you know, test this micro finding across, uh, you know, macro. Uh, and that's when we actually started doing what we, uh, I mean, you've been so kind to publish both the pieces. Uh, we um, actually um, then started testing these things for uh, how they were manifesting themselves or if at all they were manifesting themselves. Shoma, before that, um, uh, tell us what the survey found in terms of the uh, the impact that, that it has, that literacy has, you know, in terms of the differentials in, in high literacy areas versus the low literacy areas. Um, uh, the the, the, the in-depth qualitative work was done only in the literacy areas because the surveys gave us, gave us indicative results. That, you know these are the differences and then uh, it's called sex sequential exploratory methodology where qualitative uh, investigation follows quantitative results to understand why the whys of what we have already found and um it it it, it was interesting it is not that because they can read they have suddenly become you know uh, so, so they, they are able to read everything and they, there are such nuanced linkages between uh, empowerment really and uh, and uh, the ability to read and write so yeah so so when 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 we when we sort of you know um, so what we did is uh, essentially what we did is we looked at um, we looked at districts in terms of their literacy rates and we looked at uh, their um, vaccination coverage 
and it was amazing how districts that were low literacy were so much uh, so far behind and lagging uh, compared to districts that had high literacy rates so lagging, lagging in terms of the vaccination rate. vaccination coverage yes vaccination coverage yes mm -hmm. um and um, so 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 the example that strike uh, that that struck us is you know patnam uh, chitta in um, uh, kerala nine with 97% literacy rate and 47 47% uh, literacy rate at this district in Uttar Pradesh called Shravasti. I mean, uh, they, they began far away from each other, but by by the end, by end August, I think August end was where we stopped. Uh, I think it was 20, I, I've, I've written it there uh, in the piece. I, I forget the exact. Yeah, yeah. Patanam was at 78% vaccination coverage yes. and uh, yes. yes. uh, then Shravasti at around 28, 29. And uh, it, is, it is quite astonishing, actually. The... So how do you know how uh, how do we know how do we understand whether there is demand for vaccination by registration because when you get into COVID you register yourself right so if with literacy registration is like this with uh, literacy coverage is like this with literacy women getting vaccinated is like this so we found. Um, huge positive correlation robust positive correlation between literacy and these and these three things and and we uh, we published an academic paper on it and uh, then we were looking to update it we were looking to see you know now that there's no not so much vaccine shortage and the supply side constraints are like sort of going away and every, you know vaccination is available everywhere has it flattened now is everybody almost at the same no it had gone it, it was actually the gap was widening and and that's what the the, the piece that i uh, we wrote in the hindu business line uh, that was it was about this that april june and august the last dates the gaps had increased from 6 to 15 to 20 percentage points uh between districts that were trending at around 60% literacy rate and 95% literacy rate. So this is huge. Understand, understand what this means. This means that if both types of district had been vaccinated at the same rate, we would have had at least four crore more people vaccinated. And this is where actually um, the issue at stake. But by the time we were updating, with the supply side constraints gone, the registration data had stopped coming in. COVID had stopped giving us the registration data and also the gender segregated data. So now our updates, we can only look at coverage. We cannot really, and, and, and we could say, and, and we knew that, you know, if nothing was done about this, these uh, districts of high illiteracy were becoming like, you know, potential flare zones for the next surge. Um, something had, has to be done to sort of, you know, communication strategies, uh, priority strategies, vaccination coverage strategies, something has to be done. Targeted efforts have to be, uh, have you know, these districts have to be identified. There's a pattern in this. It's not just happening, but, but we don't have data. We do not know. For instance, right now, it is so important to understand Vaccines are available everywhere. Why is it that in some, why is it so uneven then? Why is it 
so uneven so and so staggered across india there has to be reason where are these pockets why what is the reason we don't know we don't know the demand we don't know whether the demand is not there or whether the demand is not being met because we don't have uh, we don't know anything about vaccine hesitancy because we don't know whether uh, you know people uh, people are not getting vaccinated because vaccination is not reaching there or people are not asking uh, to be vaccinated is it to do with digital penetration is it to do with vaccine illiteracy is it to do with health we, we, we really don't know so so what we did actually is very basic we only have vaccine coverage data and we have um literacy data also remember our literacy data is from 2010 uh, 11 the census so and while there are ways of projecting for population there are no ways of projecting for uh, but there is a pattern so i mean it's robust data i don't think um and so what we are looking at right now is actually for disaggregated anonymized real time high frequency data because without this type of data it is going to be impossible to manage the this is an unprecedented situation covid we don't we don't have any role models we don't pulling out something from the archives won't help pulling out something from a you know decade old data won't help we need to know what's happening now on the on, on the ground and and that's that that's where uh, you know as an organization and 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 as a researcher uh, i am really um, ट्रांसैक्शनलोर this is transactional right you are putting in your card and money is coming out so every time it's being recorded uh, it is uh, it is surely available mm, it is a question of whether it is available in the public domain or not mm-hmm. and uh, why is it so important for it to be available in the public domain because if you want any kind of meaningful participation by civil society and and i don't just mean academics and researchers even practitioners even just development practitioners uh, you know ngos um, civil society generally if you want them to to sort of you know be invested in how the country is run or uh, and your research like like the one that you've done could be extremely valuable in policy formulation so and, and, and more minds work on it the better absolutely absolutely so 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 for instance let me let, let me uh, let me talk to you about a, a bit if you if i may about um, the financial inclusion and and the data and financial inclusion now now um, we know that businesses have been devastated in these two years you know livelihoods have been sort of stunted and and we know that 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 people households and the country has uh, sort of unprecedented again uh, economic yeah, crisis kind of toll that it's taken on yes, our yes, financial yes. lives yes 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 um they say it's it, it's it's the worst recession that india has faced ever fourth yeah, right. and the worst i think crystal has said that um and so 
last year around the um, uh, when the lockdown was on uh, what the government did is government uh, for for three months the government i think april march april may the government put in 500 rupees into each jandhan account now what is jandhan jandhan is the country's financial inclusion mission under it there are zero frill bank accounts open for every unbanked household and with a focus of course on 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 poor households on vulnerable households so so that's what jandhan is so obviously if you want to give out money if the government wants to give out money it can't go and give money to people cash to people it's going it's, so this is the jandhan account then becomes a conduit that's how you get the money to people now uh, the, the the problem there is that um uh, a how do we know um how many people really accessed that money that was given to them now these are uh, as academic i'm a little uh, nervous about doing this uh, in the academic world but but i will give you some back of the envelope uh, kind of uh, figures that i've sort of uh, you know from here and there so uh, 10300 crores were deposited in the jandhan accounts between april and may of last year towards this and um, on an average only on an average only 3 to 4000 crore was withdrawn but each month so of course there can be you know if 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 you are true blue academic you you will say that you know but other people might have deposited money people but the thing is this that there are uh, there are studies very secondary and inferencing type of studies by the yale uh, institute and I, I mean, very credible institutes, but there are financial in- inclusion institutes that show that definitely not all poor women got their money. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that everybody is sort of doing these back of the envelope things because we really, for Jandhan, don't have any data that is again disaggregated. We don't have data for BPL. We don't know. We, we know forty-two or forty-three crore accounts are open. We know how much money is in them. We know roughly urban-rural uh, bank accounts, but we do not know how many of them are dormant. We do not know how many of them are active. We do not know how active they are. Are they making digital payments? Uh, are, are, are people uh, using overdraft facilities? How many people are really using the uh, debit cards? We have no. information on any of this now um, even bpl we, we we don't know how many bpl households are really from a overdraft facility in the jandhan account is that possible okay yes so uh, i mean uh, so so what happens is we actually you know in our institute we 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 are we have actually made a list of of the kinds of um, uh, you know the variables that are missing that are very very important to know if any kind of, to say for example you were a, you were a small uh, uh, financial literacy uh, training institute and you wanted to go and sort of you know uh, tell people how to use how to access this money you know in in the in the most difficult times you wouldn't know where to go mm-hmm. you simply wouldn't know where to go because you just wouldn't mm-hmm. we don't know so um so this is where you mean to say that disaggregated data or the kind of the kind of data that you spoke about this will then uh, help um, you know any agency that wants to increase financial inclusion or even the government's various uh, arms for them to do targeted interventions to to drive up the usage uh, of the jandhan accounts 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, what I'm saying is that for any small area estimations, for any qualitative investigation into causal inferencing, for any targeted interventions to happen, for any relief aid, anything to do with, you know, actually strategizing and delivering, delivery, design, everything, you know, you, you have to, you cannot go into a dark room and help people. You have to have the lights on. Otherwise, otherwise, how do you, how do you figure out what really to do? So it's very interesting. Um, the, uh, I, I was, uh, uh, the DMEO, which is the development of, uh, development uh, of monitoring and evaluate, development monitoring and uh, evaluation office of, under the NITI IO. This was launched in, um, um, this was sort of constituted, I think, in 2015, September of 2015. This year, uh, we noticed that it has developed something called an inventory of all India surveys. So even if it's not, um, you know, transactional data, uh, it is some kind of a survey data. So it's, I was just looking at it and, you know, it, they have listed, this is very useful. They've listed 81, uh, you know, surveys across India. But uh, from 2021, there are only 20. So only 25% of even surveys. And uh, out of those 20, 12 are uh, really, you know, not governmental, uh, not government surveys. So they are surveys by people like you, me, KPMG. I mean, uh, you know, the big four. Or so, um, if 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 I wanted to work now in the pandemic, uh, you know, I I don't have any feel feel of, you know, there's no, there are no models to, there are no, there are no, there's really nothing to follow. And if I want to know where to do, what to do, um, I wouldn't know. Uh, similarly. Um, for instance, uh, you know, um, even the UN women, and, and I think uh, everybody knows this, that, that, um, that, 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 that they're saying that there is a huge rise in uh, um, domestic violence mm -hmm. since COVID, you know, because uh, households are under stress. Um, uh, monetarily uh, people have lost jobs, it's not a good time, children are at school. What, Many, so, what, what survey is this show? Uh, no, this is not a survey. This is UN Women, and across across the, the, the there are no surveys, uh, unfortunately. So, um, so what's happening is that uh, uh, so. The, 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 there is more and more and enough information uh, on the uh, on the fact that 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 there is definitely an increase in sexual, um, physical, verbal violence within the house. You know. So what do we do about this? Um, we look for data. We look to understand what the dimensions of the problems are uh, quantitatively, qualitatively. And so what do we have? Uh, we have the NCRB, the National Crime Reports Bureau, which gives out data on crimes against women. So we look at the 2020 thing and, and we see that there is an eight and a half percent almost decrease in domestic violence and we wonder why how is this happening and we look some more and then we find that um actually i don't think i'll read out all of it to you but uh, um the, the the report itself says that look boss there is uh, a decrease in crimes against women children senior citizens thefts burglaries robbery decoity uh, have declined because because there is a pandemic because there is no movement because nobody's stepping out of home that's what they have said it's there's a caveat or a qualifier and it has said that only the only things that are in in uh increase are all the covid related enforcement laws you know so 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 okay so we don't have any uh, data really from um, 
then what do we do? We look at uh, NCW, the National Commission for Women. Uh, it has uh, put out some kind of uh, uh, press release kind of thing, which in which it says that last year this was in which it says that you know there's a two and a half percent increase in the uh, number of complaints that are coming to us. So we look at what kind of complaints, and what do I find? These are WhatsApp complaints on WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. Um, and they are in thousands. So we, we really don't we really don't know how to. And then there are also some politicians who are saying that this is scaremongering, this, that, the other. So this is certainly anyway, this is not trans- transactional. This is not even recorded data. You might say that, you know, uh, somewhere women report more crime, somewhere they don't report. This time they did not report. But this is not even that really. Um, so what do we do? We go to UN Women and UN Women says that, you know, really under uh, you know on the rise in covid women are really a really bad way and but there are some countries that are you know really have to do something about uh, gender related uh, sgds and uh, we find that um, gender related sgds the indicators for this india only sort of uh, india only sort of you know uh, qualifies uh, has data on about 43% of the gender related uh, um, indicators to do with the sdgs so where are we really at where are we really at? We are, are we really at? Um, because we know that all the thanas now today, uh, there is huge effort to have MISs, Management Information System, so that so that they can keep. But if you look at what is available publicly from these, you will realize that it's mostly to do with you know yes, this was reported. We don't really have a sense of numbers. Qualitative, to bahut, I mean, it's 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 far. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's a big ask right now. But some kind of um, uh, some kind of you know uh collation a strategy to get all this data together to get all this data which is not just recorded data but data to do with transactions when things are happening that is because today is that day today is the day when three-year-old data is not going to mean at all anything uh, you know uh, so yeah so I have two related questions because uh, you, you discussed in detail about uh, the implications of, of, of lack of robust data and current data. That um, as, as a development researcher, uh, is this a recent phenomenon about, about uh, government being stingy with, uh, with data or, or have we seen better times uh, in terms of data availability for researchers like you? And, and the second one is that um, why why do you think uh, the reluctance from the government uh, to share data? Is data indeed the new oil? If data is the new oil, then you know, are, are, are we more uh, protective about it uh, you know, because of um, security implications or, or whatever that we think? Yes, I, 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 I was, uh, I was quite certain that you would get here, um, and this is a difficult space uh, for me to be in because I think the first question is, um, uh, the first question is really actually, uh, I think whether what was was was. I, I, I think, um, I think now uh, the situation is also very different. I mean, also the technology is very different. We are today talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, we are talking about uh, data to the level, we're talking about big data, we're talking about data to the level of, you know, crossings at 
uh, you know, pictures being, you know, taken and GPS and uh, locating people and face recognition. And, you know, I could sort of probably do a something on Zoom and then I could probably, so, you know, it is recognizing my face and blurring that. So we are talking of um, another... Different, different kinds, different yes, levels of data yes, analytics. Yes. And, and also, yes, but the technology and also I think, I think the need of the hour. Mm-hmm. I think the need of the hour is uh, very different mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, what is happening in the world today, I mean, the world stopped for two years, right? It just stopped. I have an 83-year-old mother. I, I mean, she said that I've, she's never seen anything like this. And she doesn't remember her mother seeing anything like this either. So ab- about 100 years, we're seeing something that is, I mean, I don't know whether it will repeat itself. Or, so we need to know on everyday basis. We have no other... Um, we have no other benchmarks. We have no other anchors. We have nothing else to really, um, you know, and anecdotes won't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, that won't do because that is really, um, that is really information and information comes through filters. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we, we now need to know what is happening, when it is happening, how it is happening, mm-hmm. if possible. Why the reluctance? Yes. Um, now Do you that, have any answers within the circles you go around it? I think there are uh, different kinds of skill sets who should be able to answer different kinds of questions. I think in the sphere of academics, we should be very bothered about where identifying where the data gaps are Mm -hmm. and what are the implications of that data gap and filling that data gap. What would it do for me to plug that data data gap? How would I be able to strategize, inform policy better if if I had that, uh, you know? Uh, Why it is happening is I think uh, for journalists like you uh, to sort of uh, uh, investigate and, uh, but I suppose, uh, um, but I suppose, I mean, what we want to share with civil society and how much we want to engage civil society is 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 every government's call. Shobha, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks.